Faith Church, thank you for joining with us tonight. And I want to share just some thoughts scripturally that have been on my heart for a few days now in light of what seems to be going on in our world and in our country. Now, by no means, obviously, is this the end-all, cure-all, the final word on the state of America. I'm not a sociologist. I'm a pastor. And I, my, my heart hurts, though, as I look at our country. And so I'm asking questions and thinking. You're asking questions and thinking. I'm praying. You're praying. And so I'd like to just say a word tonight and just give a little maybe different perspective than what we're hearing in the news, on social media perhaps. I would like to give a biblical perspective. Uh, I'm going to bring to you the Bible uh, again. I believe that the Bible is God's final word, God's final authority. And so as a, as a believer, as an American, as a person, I want to bring my thoughts, my actions, my attitudes and spirit under the control and leadership of the Scripture. And so I, I willingly tonight bring myself under its authority. And so that's what we're going to talk about this evening. I'd like to give a word tonight on God's thoughts on our American chaos. Man, we're in chaos right now. Um, we have racial tension just in the last three weeks. Here is a predominant theme of what we see, racial tension. We have political maneuvering going on. We have the blame game. <laughs> well, who's at fault? We have the nonsensical voice of social media. And I want to encourage us, please do not get your marching orders from social media. Uh, be careful that you don't allow social media to affect your spirit. You say, well, preacher, it's kind of hard. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're right, it is. But I want to encourage you, if social media affects your spirit, guess what? It may be time to get off social media for a while. Uh, certainly, if you're going to be tempted to chime in and say something that would be unkind, unchristian, or harm your testimony, it's probably time to get off. So we have everybody and their brother getting on social media who is a self-proclaimed expert at the social ills and spiritual ills of America. We have the ongoing pandemic right now <laughs> that has been, again, thrown into the mix we have social injustice or certain segments. and So what are God's thoughts on what's happening right now in America? Well, let me just say four statements tonight, and then we'll be done. I want you to listen very carefully and prayerfully, please. First of all, I want to say God is diametrically opposed to the systemic Racism that has plagued our country and our culture for centuries. Now, friends, you have to keep your head in the sand to ignore the fact that racism has been an issue and is an ongoing issue in our country, in our country's history. Now, listen, I'm as southern as they come, I'm from the south. 
born, raised here in North Carolina, and proud of that, glad of that. Uh, if I wasn't from North Carolina, you know, if somebody said, oh, if, if, if you were born somewhere else, what would you have done? I'd have got here as quick as I could. <laughs> That's how I feel about my state. That's how I feel. I'm, you know, we're, we're all glad where we where our home is. But that doesn't undo history. That doesn't change history. And the history of America, unfortunately, is a history for many, many generations, a history of slavery, a history of injustice. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm not a history expert. This isn't a historical talk. But you have to ignore facts to say that, that social injustice and racism has not been an issue and a problem in our country and in our culture. And can I tell you that God is opposed to that? God is opposed to the racial and relational animosity that has existed and gone on in the world ever since the fall of man, really. When you look in the Scripture, you see racism abounding. When you study the book of Jonah, we say that Jonah is about a whale or a great fish that swallowed up a missionary. Well, that's part of the story. But the overriding theme of the book of Jonah is about God's love and overwhelming desire to save those that we would say are unsavable, are not worthy to be saved and be redeemed. God has to address Jonah's hostility and Jonah's deep-rooted racism toward the Assyrian people. Deep-rooted. When you turn over to the New Testament, you see uh, a strife in the early New Testament church between the Jews and the Gentiles. Uh, you see this racism exhibited in the Greekized churches, in the Gentile churches of the Roman, Greco-Roman world. Their animosity, not just toward the Jews, but toward other races of people. We see this, this exhibited in the book of Acts, where Simon Peter had the dream, and, and, and God uh, told him not to call anything common or unclean that God had made or created. There at the Jerusalem Council, and even all through the New Testament, especially when you get to the book of James, and James talks about how we treat one another, and it being based on the fact that we're all the same, created in the image of God. It has nothing to do with any other Outward criteria, not race, not ethnicity, not socioeconomic standing. All those things, it's interesting, they are addressed in the New Testament. God is against that. The very parable of the Good Samaritan that Christ used to illustrate who our neighbor is. Is it interesting to you that He chose someone who was considered of a different race, a different ethnicity, the Samaritan, to be the one to show the compassion to the Jew? There Jesus, intentionally I believe, was showing us today in 2020 that our neighbor is anyone who is in need. It doesn't have to be someone of our own race. 
Race should never play a part or never play a factor when it comes to how we view someone or treat someone. You do know that racism exists worldwide. It exists in every continent, not just in America. It exists in every country and every culture. Think with me just a moment. Right now on the African continent, in the Congo, racial discrimination abounds against the pygmies. (laughs) by other Africans. Often the pygmies are captured and sold into slavery. Even in this modern era in the Ivory Coast, there's been a resurgence in the last several years of ethnic tribal hatred and intolerance. According to a report by the group called the Human Rights Watch, in 2001, the Ivory Coast government was guilty of fanning ethnic hatred for its own political purposes. In the nation of Liberia, there are over, according to their national constitution, think about this, one cannot be considered a citizen of Liberia unless they are of African descent. This is a form of racism. In Niger, there are over 800,000 citizens still held in slavery due simply to their ethnic origin. One recent study showed that war was the main source of the supply of slaves in the country of Niger. Although many were bought at slave markets that were run mostly by the indigenous people in Niger. In Somalia, certain groups are marginalized, stigmatized, and targeted due to ethno-racial factors such as something as simple as different physical characteristics that distinguish them from the other tribes. In South Africa, while institutional racism still exists, outwardly against black South Africans in the private sector, racism against white South Africans is on the rise, according to experts. Some speculate this is due to black South Africans feeling that not enough has been done to address the inequalities that were present in South Africa for so many decades. And can I say, does that sound familiar? Does that resemble what's happening even in our country? In the Sudan, black captives and slaves have been abused, enslaved, and murdered for decades by their Arab Captors, captors in the Sudan, all of this being sanctioned even by the Sudanese government. In 2004, it became publicly known that there was an organized campaign by government-supported Arab militia to get rid of 80 different black African ethnic groups from the Darfur region of western Sudan. This systemic racism has resulted in the deaths, enslavement, and displacement of multitude millions just in the last four decades. When you think about Asia, I think about Cambodia, the ethnic minority groups that have been disproportionately targeted. In a four-year span during the last half of the, of, of, of the late 1970s, two million Cambodians became victims of genocide, most of them being executed in the killing fields by pickaxes so that the militia could save their bullets. In India, the caste system is still in full force with millions and millions of social and ethnic 
outcast. What is that? That is systemic racism and prejudice. Even in Israel and Palestine, there is ongoing hostility and hatred toward one another simply due to which side of the West Bank someone is born on. And in Europe, this continent that's supposed to be sophisticated and enlightened in enlightened Europe, all across that continent there is systemic racism towards certain ethnicities, particularly the Jews and the Gypsies. In the Czech Republic, anti-Gypsy sentiment is so strong that 90% of the ethnic Czechs don't want Gypsies as next-door neighbors. (laughs) And the Gypsy orphans, they say, are almost never chosen for adoption in the orphanages. In the British Isles even, there's been long hostilities between the British and the Irish other ethnicities Ethnic groups such as the Scots and the Welsh have been targets of centuries of racism and prejudice. I could go on and on. And all this proves, ladies and gentlemen, is that racism is not a new issue. It's not an American issue. It's not a white issue or a black issue, friends. Racism is a heart issue. And it's as old as the Garden of Eden. Remember what our Constitution plainly states, and by the way, the Constitution was worded and guided by biblical thoughts and men who were were influenced by Scripture and scriptural truth. All men are created equal and are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. All men. In order to disregard that, one would have to say that people of a different race or ethnicity are not human. I don't believe any of us are that ignorant. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, in America, in our culture, and around the world, and because of the depravity of the human heart, we want to treat others as less than us, less than what they really are less than another group. Hear me, every human is of equal value in the eyes of God. Every one of us. Oh, to see how God sees. Every person is an image bearer of the Creator. I want to say first and foremost tonight that God is diametrically opposed to this spirit of racism and prejudice Statement number two, God commanded respect and submission to legitimate civil authority. I'll say that again, that God commanded respect and submission to legitimate civil authority. In Romans chapter 13, these words that we read, let every one of us, every soul be subject to the higher power. That, that's representing civil government. And Paul goes on to say that the powers that be are ordained of God. They are ministers of righteousness to execute judgment upon the ungodly. Oh, friend, listen carefully. That it is the role of civil government to establish order 
and to, to, to be the ones who, who maintain order in a society or a country or a municipality. This idea of doing away with police, law enforcement, this idea of, uh, for instance, uh, the Lego Corporation doing away with all of the police Legos, uh, uh, cartoons now, uh, one uh, popular cartoon removing, uh, uh, being canceled because it centers around uh, a dog that is a, 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 a police officer. Come on, people, what is wrong with us? We, 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 we characterize all law enforcement because of the actions of a few and the poor decisions of a few. Oh, God help us. Civil government is established by the Lord, even in, in the, in the, 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 the executive branch, the judicial branch, the, 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 the legislative branch, those charged with carrying out our laws. Friend, it's okay to vocally protest, but in the right way. Never right to be unlawful. When it comes to that, it's never right to bust up somebody else's property or harm someone else's life just so we can make a statement. Statement number one, God is diametrically opposed to the systemic racism that has marred our culture. Statement number two, God commands respect and submission to legitimate civil authority. Statement number three, God is as keenly interested in the unrest and hurt of other nations as He is in what is occurring here in America. There's a research firm which conducts socioeconomic and political analysis. And this firm has predicted that in 2020, that 75 of the 195 countries worldwide will face civil unrest. That's 40% of the countries around the world, the nations around the world are going to experience this year the same type of civil unrest that is happening and occurring here in America. And I want to remind us, do you realize that God is as keenly passionate about the unrest and the injustice in those lands as He is in what's happening in America. Sometimes we think that God is just the God of the Americans. No, friend. God created the world. God is the Lord of all the earth. He, he, he desires for all men to come to the truth and to come to salvation. And He hurts for all the nations of the world just as He does us. We are part of God's plan. Thank Him for it. Yet, friend, let's not lose sight that His plan includes those around the world. And then I'll say this, friends, statement number four. God's plan has always been for the church to be a city on a hill. God has intended for the church to be an agent of change in all of this chaos. Jesus said uh, that you you have been you've been made a city on a hill, uh, a, a light that is not supposed to hide its uh, light, but uh, don't don't hide it under a bushel. A city that's on a hill cannot be hid. God has intended for us as Christians in our lives 
to be that light for other people, to be that salt, to be that agent of change. So what can we do as individual Christians? What, 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 what has God called us to do? What do we have the ability to do? Let me throw out just a couple of ideas and then we'll pray. First of all, honestly before the Lord, let God search our hearts and dig up any seed and root of pride and sin along these lines because that's where it begins. It begins with personal prayer and asking God to deal with us to reveal our sin. That we confess our sins. That we humble ourselves. That we as God's people will just get honest with the Lord. I have to confess that Christian Powell struggles with this. I do. I'd be a liar if I told you I didn't. I do. And I believe many of us do as well. Let's let the healing, unifying balm of the Holy Spirit, the grace of the Spirit of Christ in us to just overwhelm us. G.K. Chesterton was a British philosopher and writer. A London newspaper in the early 20th century once sent out an inquiry to famous authors asking this question. What's wrong with the world today? That was the question. Chesterton's succinct response contains the humble wisdom we all need today. (laughs) Here was his response. Dear sirs, I am sincerely yours, G.K. Chesterton. (laughs) In other words, Chesterton said, you want to know what's wrong with the world? I am. Friends, it's high time that we as Christians... Let God search us. You say, preacher, I don't have any problems alone. Okay, okay. I'm just saying, let the Lord search your heart. I'm not the judge. He does an infinite better job of being the Holy Spirit than I ever thought about. But let's let Him do His work. So what can I do? Well, I can sow love and joy instead of suspicion and sourness. I can sow love and joy instead of suspicion and sourness. When I encounter someone that's rude and hateful, I don't have to respond in kind. When I'm uh, coming against a situation that is hostile and aggravates me and frustrates me, thank God, I've got the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I've got love, joy, peace, temperance, meekness, faith, goodness, to overcome all that that's supplied to me by the Lord Himself. And then I close with this thought. Let's view people biblically. You say, how's that, preacher? Let's view people as humans made in God's image and in need of a Savior. Listen to these scriptures. Acts 17, verse 26 and 27. God has made of one blood all nations of men. One blood. All nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth that they should seek the Lord, Paul said. In other words, we're all the same. We all have the same blood flowing on us, and God wants all of us to seek Him. A.T. Robertson said that what Paul affirms is the unity of the human race with a common origin and with God as the Creator. This view runs counter, he said, to Greek exclusiveness, which treated other races as barbarians, and to Jewish pride, which treated other nations as heathens or pagans. 
Listen to Romans 10, 12, and 13. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. For the same Lord is all, the same Lord over all is rich unto all that called upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, friends, let's pray for America. Let's pray for our world. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray that God's grace would overwhelm us in these days. So as we pray tonight, I want you to pray for Brother Greg Flores, who's been hospitalized for 11 days now up in Michigan in dire need of our prayers, and then pray for Nancy Lilly's dad, still hospitalized, struggling. I want you to ask God to touch him. Thank you for tuning in, and let's pray. Our Father, help us now. May we be conformed to the image of Jesus along these lines and to be a source of hope and help, not a hurt and hindrance. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.